Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, can atheists get insurance for acts of God? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... (laughs) (laughs) Are you getting the idea? I thought I'd leave a dramatic pause this week. Let the bell ring out a little bit more. So, (laughs) the panel have no idea what's coming, obviously. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited what could possibly go wrong many many things if you've joined us each week so let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel firstly the mysterious and effervescent heather morris she has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called hellhound investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows she is now one of the leading audio and evp experts with the international paranormal society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has had restless nights wondering why this week the road sign that says slow children actually has a picture of a child running. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> what? Hello. You sound disappointed to be here. You won last week. No, I didn't. Didn't you? Oh, we'll make up for it this week. I'm <laughs> we <will>? sorry. <laughs> yeah, you'll come third this week. Oh. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has wondered all week what you would call a male ladybug. Welcome to the show, Kim. (laughs) Hello. It's a thought, though, isn't it? What would you call a male ladybug? Ladybug. A a gentleman bug, I'm guessing. (laughs) Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our sound engineer and producer. Greg wondered this week why we throw rice at weddings. And then he embarrassed himself by throwing a hamburger at a Chinese wedding. Welcome to the show, (laughs) Greg. We are Series 2, Episode 12. 12's a fabulous number. I don't know if you're aware of this. Do you remember the 12-inch singles that were available on vinyl? Do you remember those? No. Does anyone remember, or can anyone tell me, for points, straight off the board, early doors, points available, what is the difference between 12 inches and 7 inches? Do you know? Four. Four? (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I don't know where to start. Greg's going to get a point. 
for saying five, which is in fact correct. Heather, who was educated in Trimont in Minnesota, thinks the difference between 12 inches and seven inches is five. It's a long day. (laughs) Four. You said four, didn't you? Not five. It has been a long day. You are on minus four for getting some basic math questions. But there is a sensible answer in there waiting to get out. Do you know the difference between a 12 inch vinyl record and a seven inch vinyl record? The RPMs. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's the same but a good guess Kim uh, the uh, grooves on a 7 inch record are closer together because you've got less inches to work with on a 12 inch record the grooves are further apart and that means they're louder so when I was a DJ we used to play 12 inch versions of singles because it's a louder sound than a 7 inch apparently so that's where we are okay it says there are 12 stars featured on the flag of Europe Probably one star for every time George Bush insulted a European country. For points again, can anyone tell me what colour the European flag is? Kim? Heather? Greg? No clue. Random colours? Blue. Greg's on two. He's storming into a lead. It's red, white and blue, isn't it? Uh, The European flag is all blue and it's a circle of 12 gold stars, if uh, you recall such a thing. According to UFO conspiracy theories, Majestic 12 is a secret committee set up by President Truman to investigate Roswell, which I wasn't previously aware of. In Greek mythology, of course, the labours of Hercules was extended from 10 originally to 12, so I wonder if his union knew about that. He's done all those fantastic labours, and then they add another couple on at the end, just for good luck. So having already killed the nine-headed Hydra, captured the Cretan ball, and slain the lion, he was then forced to watch NASCAR and find vegetables at a casino buffet, which were obviously <laughs> the two worst labours, and the most <laughs> difficult ones which were left to last. And finally, the human body has 12 cranial nerves in it and i'm sure by the end of the show you will see every single one down to the last one (laughs) we investigated i want to welcome by the way everyone on dark matter radio live just gone 10 o'clock on a friday night central time so welcome to all our listeners on darkmatterradio.net and remember if you want to see or listen to any of our archives you are welcome to go to soundcloud dot com and type in mqta radio and all our archives from the last two years and last week's show is on there as well and you get an extra 20 to 25 minutes on all of those shows of the things we can't possibly possibly mention live on air because they're too rude and we would be taken off air very quickly we investigated last weekend heather and myself and the rest of the international paranormal society went to the maxfield house which is the oldest building still standing in mankato it was built in 1861 owned by george maxfield and the maxfield family and we had a fabulous investigation there fourth biggest city in uh, minnesota is mankato famous of course during the sioux uprising for the uh, 38 native american indians they executed all together on the same day back in 1862 28th of december i think that was if my memory serves me right but what do you uh, remember from the investigation that you'd like to share with our listeners heather well there's just a couple things um i remember that we had a flashlight conversation which not a lot of people investigate uh using a flashlight but mine seems to work fairly well for me and it impressed the, a lot of the owners that were there. Yes, um, when it's on command. I've got a lot of problems yeah. sometimes with the concept of the flashlight turning on and off because you have to twist them just slightly and they're yeah. either in the on or the off position. You have it in your warm paws and you walk around with it in your pocket and then you just tweak it so it's off. You put it on a cold concrete yep. floor and you get the difference between contraction and expansion and uh, 
the idea that it moves around on a cold floor right. and contracts and turns itself on isn't rocket science. But uh, on this occasion, you know, that wasn't the case, was it? No, it actually happened for quite a long period of time where I'd actually ask it to turn on. It would turn on in that instant. I would ask it to turn off. It would turn off in that instant. And it was absolutely worked wonderful. Um, We went into the basement of the house and we had, and I let you listen to it, a voice of a little girl that came through that was asking for her grandma, which was actually quite sad. Yes, we may be able to play some of these at some point. We'll get those edited and uh, we'll we'll get those out there for people to listen to. And, of course, just because a small girl's come through and says, you know, right. I want my grandmother, doesn't necessarily mean that it's the spirit or the ghost of a small girl. There are entities out there that think it's funny to uh, perhaps disguise themselves or to make impressions of young children just to get the sensibilities of the female people on the team and kind of say oh come with me I'll look after you and we did have a a growl in the basement that wasn't my stomach no that wasn't your stomach you weren't with Uh, it wasn't my stomach either Um, but we recorded it and I think you had the same growl on the vigil you did right after I did, yes. I was in the carriage house, but I also think they may have kept dogs in there back in the day when it was a stable, and I suspect the growl may have been some residual energy, uh, residual recording from a growl of a dog. It wasn't. I didn't get the impression there was anything dark there. I just think we may no. have picked up the spirit of a dog in actuality um, is probably the way that I think that's going. But I think my favorite part was um, right as we're leaving, the last vigil, I had an Englishman come through on the DVR that said, get up in a very British accent. And it was fabulous. And we all started rolling. Are you going to do an impression of that? I, I can't really do it. You do it because it sounded like you, but it wasn't you. <laughs> it, there was a lot of times where ghosts mimic my accent. That's true. And then they repeat back to me. This happens in real life. When I'm walking around the shops or I'm in Walmart or whatever, people come up to me. They start talking in a fake English accent after about two minutes of talking to me. It's very odd. I'm talking to them and all of a sudden they're going, chocolate, would you like some chocolate? Oh, blimey, Mary Poppins. Cheerio, <laughs> pip pip, goodbye. Hello, mate. And I'm thinking, I've never spoken like that. Where's that coming from? I don't even know what that means. Very strange. So are you going to say get up or what? Get up. Get up. He went, get up, is yeah, what it sounded yeah, like. Exactly in my like fabulous that. East London Cockney <laughs> accent. Get up. That's when you was leaving, getting up to leave, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, So was. you were packing up. It was in context. I think the thing that I found the most interesting, there was two aspects. When I was in the carriage house, I had the ghost box um, going. And I had a really interesting conversation for about five minutes with a spirit. And I'll just run you through what it said, because I think it was quite you know, groundbreaking in terms of paranormal investigating. But I turned on the ghost box and it said, watch out. And I said, watch out for what? And it said, ghosts. And I said, well, do ghosts exist? And he said, uh, you need to understand something. So I said, what do I need to understand? And he said, they're real, you know. And I said, yes, I agree with you. I mean, I'm actually talking to a spirit at the time, which kind of proves they exist, I guess. But I said to him, I've interviewed them. I've spoken with ghosts. I've seen ghosts. I've been attacked by ghosts. And uh, I said, do you hang out here with your um, family? Do you hang out here with the people that you grew up with in Mankato back in the earliest pioneer days? And he said, community. And I said, so you hang out with the same community you remember when you were here and you were living here? And he said, yes. And I said, does the house look like it does when you used to live here? And he said, yes, it does. So he didn't see the house that we were investigating in as being anything outside of the time period that he remembered living there. And I said, who am I talking to? Who is this? And he said, Frank. And he said, Frank, twice. And what was very interesting, Heather, is that you did a vigil in another part of the building. And there was a moment where you asked them how he made his money and what he did for a job. And what did he say? 
He said trees. And then I proceeded to ask him, what about the trees? How did you make money from the trees? And he said lumber. The lumber business, I think he said. And uh, as a historian, I then did some historical research this week. And I found out that a gentleman called Frank Henline um, lived in the building in the 1910s, 1920s. And I found an article in the Blue Earth County Historical Society where Mankato is. And uh, he was in the lumber trade and in the lumber business. So when you think about it, we have the ghost of Frank coming through. He's told us his name. He's told us what he did for a job. And I actually found him. I tracked the guy down historically and found out he actually existed. So if you're looking for proof that there's an afterlife, that's a remarkable piece of evidence. For him to then say that ghosts exist and they're real and uh, I need to be aware of that and to then talk me through that process is quite remarkable so again when we get a chance we'll edit those uh, bits of information and all of this is going towards a chapter in my next book I'm doing a follow-up to the book Mysterious Minnesota I'm doing a book that's very creatively titled more mysterious minnesota (laughs) it took you days i know i know and if i do a third book it's going to be called even more mysterious (laughs) minnesota if i do a fourth book it'll be something like well you thought that was the last book but there's now another book in the mysterious minnesota series The um, company that makes sandpaper, 3M, and post-it notes is based in Minneapolis and Minnesota. So when you have a book called More Mysterious Minnesota, there must be some sort of logo or something we can do with 3M and the concept of 3M. I've actually been to the Sandpaper Museum. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been. This is what Minnesota's famous for. It's the Jolly Green Giant. Have you seen that? The huge statue of the Jolly Green Giant? Yes. yes. You're looking at me as if I'm mad. You live here. You were born here. Yes, but I recall when you saw it, you looked up his skirt. Yes. <laughs> and I went, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Ladies green and gentlemen, giant. I can assure you that everything is green. <laughs> his peas. <laughs> his peas. His peas. It's cold in Minnesota. Give the guy a break. Do you know what his little counterpart is? is oh, I wonder what you're going to say. Is it sprout? sprout. Oh, see, she gets points. Gone. What? I've no clue what you're talking about. He's got a sidekick called Sprite. No, it's Sprout. Sprout. I was saying it wrong. Yeah, she was saying it wrong. So she's saying it wrong, but you still wanted to get points for saying it wrong. No, I wanted her to get minus points just like me. Wow. Heather Heather apparently wants your minus points, Kim. So I'm not going to help you anymore. I'm going to give you minus one. And you see what women do. All the gentlemen listening to this show will be thinking, yes, this is how women operate. They've just thrown each other under the bus to try and win a competition. But Minnesota is also famous for the Spam Museum in Austin. So if anyone wants to come to visit Minnesota, you can go to the Jolly Green Giant. What is that? Is it like a, a factory or a museum or what's there? vegetable factory it's a vegetable factory if you want to come to a vegetable factory you're more than welcome to do so you can go to the spam museum in austin and spam of course points available what's why spam called spam Uh, something what does it mean anyone scraps of ham oh you're not a million miles away it's am i gonna have to tell you yes it's spiced ham it's a compound noun of spiced ham we used to fry it and put it on like sandwiches Okay, thank Fried you for that. You're not, getting, you're not getting points for telling me what sandwiches you made when you was a kid. But uh, <laughs> the other thing you can do, of course, is go to the Sandpaper Museum. So it's the Sandpaper Museum, the Spam Museum. Isn't there a ball of twine here? Too? There is. I'm trying to remember where. There's the world's biggest ball of twine. I wanted to start the world's biggest lint ball. And I wanted to start that in Mountain Lakes. So if people who actually, you know, got their belly button fluff and they posted it, and we could make a giant ball oh. of the world's biggest ball of belly button fluff, and it'd be like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's coming after you and you're running through caves. That's what I imagined. But I went to the Sandpaper Museum, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, it was rough. 
we start the first round of ghosts and hauntings and i have a story here that says psychic leads police to body of missing mother the body of a missing mother has been found with the help of a psychic who was called in by the family of the man accused of killing her it has been claimed after feeling disappointed with Kent Police's efforts to search for missing mum of two, Mariola Cudworth, the family of her husband, Jonathan Cudworth, who has been charged with his wife's murder, contacted psychic Ali Austin in an attempt to find her themselves. Miss Austin posted on Facebook yesterday, after feeling let down by Kent Police, the family of Jonathan Cudworth and myself, and some guidance from other realms, took it upon ourselves to attempt to find her. The attempt was successful at 8.30pm, last night mika can now be laid to rest miss austin added it's been emotional i'm just glad my radar wasn't totally off she said this started off as work and ended up as an incredible bond just grateful i could help a little in such a horrendous time mariola cudworth also known as mika has been missing from her home in northbourne since wednesday april the 29th officers searched for her and were called to Dover Road in Eastry at about 8.30pm, following the discovery of a body. The area remained cold and off throughout yesterday until the body was removed from the scene in the evening. Her husband, Jonathan, who she married two years ago, has been charged with her murder. Jonathan Cudworth's sister, Natalie, has been open with her criticism of the police. She claims officers didn't find the body. All I can say is, I assure you, they didn't find the body. I'm sorry I can't say more on this. Police have defended their actions. So police spent several days looking for this woman's body without any luck or any success. The family went to the local psychic, a lady called Ali Austin. She told the police where the body would be found and they found the body. I'd then go and arrest the psychic. That's what I'm saying. That's how all the Agatha Christie novels end. What, where the psychic gets arrested? Yeah. The person who found the body. Is, is the, the one, one that mm-hmm. did it. So I never have to read an Agatha Christie novel ever Or just again. don't murder anyone and tell them where they're at. Yes, that would be beneficial from the off. Well, the advice given by <laughs> more questions than answers is just don't murder anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Having lived with my parents for a number of years after university, I did go on websites and looked up how to best dispose of bodies. But we're past that now. <laughs> this is very interesting. I, I'm a good friend of uh, several psychics in the Twin Cities in St. Paul and Minnesota. And I won't mention their names, but they're very well-known psychics in the area. And they've written lots of books and do lots of psychic development classes and lectures and expos. And they were telling me that they work regularly with the police department, but they never ever talk about it. And the police don't say anything. So the police in Minnesota, and I'm sure they do this in other states and other places around the world, actually use psychics during cold cases or cases they don't know where bodies are or missing children. And you'd be amazed how many times the police department have used psychics to get their information. But the police department would never ever say anything because it looks as if they don't know what they're doing and it's the last resort. Do you see what I mean? You all look like you're about to jump in and say something. No, I'm listening. You're listening. Well, that makes a change and I shall give you points for that. You're now on... (laughs) Minus three. Who knew such things after two years? <laughs> Heather's actually listening. Who knew such things? What have you got for me in the round of ghosts and hauntings? School closes over toilet ghost in Pubna. Pubna? Where's Pubna? I don't know. Okay, no research. Oh, it's then. in Bangladesh. It's in Bangladesh. Yes. When I was at school, we did a project on Bangladesh in geography. And everyone thought it was funny to say bang the desk and we'd all bang our desks and the teacher ran off crying and we never saw her again. (laughs) If you're out there, Mrs. Southgate, I can only (laughs) apologise. 
Several pupils have fallen ill after entering a bathroom attributed with the death of a schoolgirl. The usual series of events which took place in the Pabna district of Bangladesh began on Wednesday when 11-year-old Rumi Ratan became seriously ill and later died in the hospital after using a bathroom at the bar Dan Agar. How is your Bengali? I see <laughs> your, ben- your Bengali is not My one Ben Gay is not very good tonight. <laughs> no, we'll need to rub that in a bit more. Um, it's the primary school in Bangladesh. Well, thank uh, you for highlighting that to us. You're welcome. There is more than one primary school in Bangladesh, but this is the one we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Soon afterwards, several other pupils at the school also started to feel ill after using the toilets prompting the belief that a ghost had taken up residence there. Before long, concerns over the matter had grown to a point where the school had to close down. Were they looking flushed? Oh, Early no, points. No. <laughs> Locals later attempted to solve the problem by using a special ritual to try to cleanse the building. Have you ever bleach? used a special ritual, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> to cleanse the toilet? No, I haven't. No, okay. People used to believe that there is a ghost in the school as there was a long palm tree rumored to have a ghost many years ago. A palm tree? Yeah. It's the ghost of a palm tree. What does it suddenly appear and shake its coconuts? (laughs) (laughs) After the schoolgirl died, locals believed that it was the same ghost who moved from the palm tree into the bathroom that's now taking shelter in the toilet. That is why we have taken a step to remove the ghost from the school. It isn't clear whether his efforts have succeeded in preventing any further incidents. Ever done any really good smudging in the bathroom? No? Cleared anything out? Got rid of any There's darkness? There's been times. There has been times. Yes, my dad. sulfur has been used. Yes. I used to have to go into the toilet after my dad with a canary. <laughs> <laughs> it's true enough. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? A boy met Jesus during a near-death experience. It wasn't in the toilet, was it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the 17-year-old had been clinically dead for 20 minutes before his heart started beating again. Have you ever been in the toilet, Greg, and shouted out, Jesus Christ? No, I haven't. <laughs> okay. Zach Clements had been a fit and healthy young man when, while running during a PE class, he suddenly collapsed and had to be rushed to the hospital where doc- doctors battled to revive him. It took them over 20 minutes to get a pulse, but thanks to their efforts, Clements did eventually go on to make a full recovery. What he was able to remember of what happened while he was unconscious, however, would go on to make headline news. When I was out those 20 minutes, I saw a man who had long ruffled hair and kind of a thick beard, and it didn't take me long to realize that it was Jesus, he said. I went up to him, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he told me everything would be all right and not to worry. Wow. Jesus. It's probably the local vagrant. That's what I was thinking. Do you have sandals and 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 what was you going to say? A, a long white robe and a and a shepherd's hood. Sh- and a shepherd's. He was a carpenter. We go over this every week. <laughs> he had nothing to do with sheep on any level. The guy made joints and wood and beams and housing, and he used power tools. Why does he always have a shepherd's hook? Then? He doesn't. Where have you seen this picture? Doesn't he? Where have you seen Jesus with a shepherd's crook? I'd be interested. Have to you know. seen like at Sunday school? See? Sunday school. Okay, I take it all back. I'm wrong. The bit where he's a carpenter, I've obviously... Perhaps it was a sideline. Perhaps at the weekends he did a bit of shepherding. You know, the guy who's up on the hillside wants a break at the weekend. I'll do some part-time shepherding, get a few dollars together. Get a few, Bob. I can get my first car. Yeah. This is where we are. So carpenter slash part-time shepherd. That's right. Fabulous. I almost wish I knew him. (laughs) I have a story here that says, Shocking photos show filthy home where a rotting corpse was found. 
This is the disgusting home where a rotting corpse was discovered by health workers who had earlier joked that there was a body inside. The squalid home in Nosy in Merseyside, England, was covered in dead flyers while a vile stench was found to be coming from inside. Worried neighbours called police and council workers to check the home. As they entered, they were hit with the shocking sight and smell. Liverpool Crown Court heard that the environmental health officer joked that there was a body upstairs, only to discover the decomposing corpse. See many a true word said in jest. Pictures obtained by the Liverpool Echo show the appalling and filthy state of the house. If you're worried about teenagers having a dirty, filthy, messy room in your house, then I suggest you go to my Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, where of Adrian Lee, and you will see pictures of the filth and squalor where this body was in fact found. A mum was convicted of neglect after two young children frequented and stayed at her parents' hovel home and were exposed to the risk of illness. Sarah Holt, prosecuting, told how the homeowners gasped and nearly fell down the stairs when the body of her son was discovered in his bedroom. She said it's not possible to say when he died and certainly not possible to say how he died. I know that sometimes you only know if you've got teenagers or kids living in the house because periodically you find dirty cups and dirty plates in the sink. But to be fair, you would surely know after a few days if one of them had died, wouldn't you? I would hope so. I mean, the smell, you know, for a start, if you've not seen your son for three days and he's living in the same house as you, I mean, what are they doing? Feeding him pizza under the door and pancakes and flat food. I mean, at some point they knock on the door and say, are you okay in there? What's that strange smell? Unless her house smelled that bad prior to someone decomposing. But you would still know if your kid was there or not based on the food disappearing and things like the toilet flushing. I, well, I, mean, I don't I, think yeah, I was going to say there's not, there's not many kids perhaps that would uh, perhaps be flushing the toilet True. necessarily. But you would like to think. Did you see pictures? No. Yeah, it is, oh, it is, I don't think yeah, they had If water. people want to see that. And any of our stories from tonight, any of the videos, any of the UFO photographs and uh, all of the stories from tonight's show are on our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee. And while we're on the subject, you can actually join me on Twitter as well. We currently have 55,000 followers on Twitter, so thank you to all of those individuals from around the world. If you go to Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips, you can be part of our team and join us on there, and I'd love to have you. We run into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men. It's hairy beasties. Heather is currently on minus three. Kim is on one, <laughs> having scored minus one originally because Heather suggested that was the case, forgetting the name of the small jolly green giant Sprite. Sprout. Now Sprout. you take minus one. <laughs> I don't even live here, and it's your national emblem and mascot. I'm on four, and Greg is on two, and I can't even remember why, but I'm sure they were very well-deserved. Heather, what have you got for me in UFOs and cryptozoology? The mermaids of Kiryat Yam. Okay. Got it? Yeah, I'm with you. Local tourists alike in the Israeli town of Yurat Yam have reported sightings of a mermaid, which eyewitnesses report resembles a mixture of a young girl and a dolphin. One sighted, the creature performs acrobatic tricks for stunned onlookers before disappearing beneath the waves. I'd be interested to know which half is which. Does it have a female top and a fishy yes. bottom? It does. Yes. I was just wondering if the worst case scenario was it had the head of a dolphin, but the legs of a woman. Oh, mm. what are you, that's terrible. No, I've I mean, never it, seen any ancient drawings where there's like a that. fish head and two legs. Yes, I haven't seen that. Okay. <laughs> You've town... never seen a fish with two legs? No. Okay. I just thought I'd make that aware. Go on, you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
The town has encouraged the stories, which are good for the local tourist economy, and the local council has even offered a cash prize of one million. <laughs> one million. <laughs> <laughs> to anyone who gets photographic evidence of the aquatic humanoid. There's going to be people out there with chainsaws cutting up women and dolphins, gluing the oh, two together, and claiming a prize. No, you know that. No, no, no. In 2010, an NBC investigative team spent a week filming along the beaches of Kiryat Yam. The crew claimed that they spotted the mermaid at night, but were unable to track it after it dove out of sight. Dived. Dove. It's in the story. Okay, it's in the story. It's <laughs> dove out of sight. It dove under the buoy. There you go. Oh. Kim's, you were on a positive injury. You're now back to zero. I would claim you're almost being racist if you're picking on my accent and my way of speaking. Heather, you've got two points for such a fabulous story. You are now back up to minus Woo-hoo. one. I have a story here that says bizarre picture of a fish with legs. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Bizarre picture of a fish with legs has web users scratching their heads. It's apparently a dolphin and a woman being glued together. Isn't a fish with legs a frog? I mean, this is where a we... A newt. A newt, a frog, any of those things. The creepy-looking monster was discovered dead by the side of a pond in Colorado in the US and has had web users scratching their heads. The beast has the body of a large silver fish, but also has stumpy legs like a reptile. That sounds like the perfect Christmas dinner food, doesn't it? If you've got a fish with legs, you've got everything you want there, all in one plate of food. Ew. There you go. Web users say it appears to be evolution in action referencing the first animals to emerge from the oceans onto the land. Before you know where you are, this will be in the trees, and then it'll be operating a digital watch, and it'll be wanting to marry your daughter, so we do need to be careful. It was posted (laughs) by Bobby Kent, who asked, My neighbour found this off of a pond in Colorado. What is it? The beast has the body of a large silver fish, but also has stumpy legs like a reptile. I think there's been some shenanigans between a gecko and a salmon. That would be a gammon, though, wouldn't it? We already have gammon. I think the Geico gecko was getting frisky. You know, he's the fame has gone to his head. He's made a lot of money from the adverts on the television. Chips and pie, pie and chips. And got, who uh, got it on with Tony the Tuna? Is it Tony? Tony the Tuna. And uh, before you know where you are, he's in a pool in Las Vegas. There's cocaine. There's fish hookers. And before you know where you are, nine months later, there's a fish with legs. I'm just saying, this is how these things happen. I thought the tuna was Charlie. Oh, it is Charlie. Yep, yeah, she's sorry, right. Charlie. Charlie the Tuna. Charlie the Tuna. the Geico Gecko, getting it on together. Yeah. I actually looked up the actor that does the voice for the Geico Gecko, because when I first arrived here, people kept coming up to me and making references to the Geico Gecko, and I had no idea what they were talking about. I had to go and look it up. And I wondered if it was an American doing an East London British accent or whether it really was a voice actor that was British? And the answer to that question is, it's, a, it's actually an actor who's British. The guy who does the voice to the Geico Gecko is actually a very famous actor in the uh, soap opera, EastEnders. He plays a name, uh, the name of the guy he plays is Brannigan is his last name. I can't for the life of me think of his first name. But he is an East End London actor, believe it or not. So I just thought I'd add that. This is a show for interesting facts. And that would be one, I guess. <laughs> Kim... So Heather, having said that she's never heard of a fish with legs before, we now have a story from Colorado where there's a fish with legs. I don't believe it. It's true. I've got it in front of me here in black and white. (laughs) Who knew such things? Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Can a chicken be regressed into a dinosaur? I don't know. If you hypnotize it, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Scientists have succeeded in reverting the beaks of chicken embryos into dinosaur-like snouts. 
In the movie Jurassic Park, scientists were able to clone dinosaurs by retrieving their DNA from blood-sucking insects preserved in amber. But there is another potential way to bring these prehistoric reptiles back from the dead, and it involves the very species that the dinosaurs would eventually evolve into, birds. Through genetic manipulation, scientists believe it may one day be possible to regress the DNA of a modern species back into the state it was in millions of years ago and create a living dinosaur. And then we all get eaten, and that's the end of it. It's the Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But there you are, right? Chickens, uh, dinosaurs are actually birds. I mean, they often get called reptiles, but they were the first birds. They're just featherless, you know, birds, which I think is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, while accomplishing this is still a very long way off, researchers at Harvard Universi- University recently managed to achieve the first tentative steps with one specific part of a bird: its beak. By manipulating the gene proteins of chicken embryos, the scientists were able to revert the animal's beaks back into snouts reminiscent of those seen in theropod dinosaurs such as Velociraptor. You're doing very well. You keep going. (laughs) (laughs) The beak is a crucial part of the avian feeding apparatus and is the component of the avian skeleton that has perhaps diversified most extensively and most radically. But what do they taste like? Chicken. There was uh, the comic 2000 AD, if people are aware of that, had the character Judge Dredd in it. But there were other stories in that comic. And I used to read this as a child back in the late 70s. And one of the stories was they would go back in a time machine to dinosaur times and they would harvest meat because in the future we don't have anything to eat and there's a lack of food. And uh, they would go back and there was uh, cowboys that would corral Tyrannosaurus rexes and they would bring them back for their meat. And I always thought that was a very interesting story. I got banned from reading that comic my parents took me to the news agents and said what comic would you like and i chose that one and i read it for a couple of years and then my dad happened to glance at it one day and said it was too bloodthirsty and i had to go and get something else and that put a pay to me reading 2000 ad but there is a story about gathering meat from dinosaurs apparently it tastes like chicken heather what have you got for me i know you're always trying to squeeze more stories more in to stories. get more points there was a time Many, many years ago, when we would do one story for each round, and progressively, I've noticed that the ladies here have been crowbarring in more stories to get more points, thinking I wouldn't notice. Can't be helped. So this is your second story for UFOs and cryptozoology. You're expecting more points, I'm guessing. Yep. But this show's only an hour long on uh, Dark Matter Radio, so what do we do? It's a short story. It's a short story. Go for it. Does the leaf man haunt the Sussex woods? Sussex. Leaf man. Yes. Have you heard of him? I haven't. No. He only comes at fall. (laughs) No. No. Okay. (laughs) Local folklore in southern England tells of a mysterious humanoid creature covered in hair and leaves. It's a hedgehog. It's a hairy hedgehog. Do they get leaves stuck to them? Well, they've got lots of prickly bits, so they roll around and hibernate and get leaves stuck to them. Do they? I scored a couple of thousand points once on a dartboard by throwing a hedgehog. (laughs) it's true i tell you when it comes to stories of strange creatures lurking in the woods in the uk it doesn't tend to be the first place you think of yet down in the historic english county of sussex there exists the little known legend of a creature known as leaf man one particularly intriguing encounter occurred back in the mid 80s when a group of youths had been camping in folkington wood i don't say that again we'll get taken off air is that correct? Folkington? Yes, but it's not pronounced quite like that. But if you say it again, we'll be taken off air. I said folk. Don't go there. What's Folkington. wrong with you? <laughs> Folkington. Yes, but it's not pronounced like that. Well, I'm asking you for a correction. And if I corrected you, we would be taken off air. Oh, I got you. It had been around. Let me just say the place. 
It's like, <laughs> imagine Buckingham. Okay. But with an F. Oh. There we go. Like, that's oh, where I'm we are. Sorry. And you keep saying the wrong word and you keep asking me to say, I do not want a $10,000 <laughs> fine for saying Buckingham with an F. <laughs> Lindsay Buckingham, but with oh. an F. It had been around dusk and they started building a fire when they became aware of something skulking in the trees nearby. Out from the shadows came a tall, spindly finger. A finger? <laughs> wow. So let me get this right, just for it's everyone a listening. Figure. So you're out camping. Oh, I need It's a dark. Nap. And then you get a long, cold, bony finger. Is this where Followed we are? Followed up by a golden arm, right? So whereabouts are you camping where you get a, a finger presented to you? Whereabouts is this happening then for you? It's in Folkington Wood. It is. I bet it is. Yeah. Was it in a clearing or did it, you know? No, but it was covered with hair. And so this was leaves. in a tent, was it? Yes. So it had to go through the flaps to get to you. Is that what we're saying? Yes. Okay. And it had entangled hair and it had two burning eyes. Does that help? Yes. That sounds like people that come from Suffolk. Yes. Uh, people often ask if the victims were actually pulling a hoax, but they said memories can be hazy. But this thing seemed real and more than just a man in a suit. <laughs> Someone's got a suit and rolled around in a load of leaves with some glue Hair on and leaves. Hair and, and leaves. In Folkington. Yes, I'm glad you shared that with us. And you shall get extra points. You now are on a very heady minus one. I have a UFO story in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. It says UFO sighting photographer captures 14 strong fleet of unidentified crafts in bizarre pictures. A photographer has captured a fleet of UFOs on camera in the skies over Spain. Carl Jennings from Ireland told us that he took the pictures in broad daylight at around 5pm while in central Madrid. He insists that the photographs have not been altered in any way and is convinced the bizarre objects are not birds or planes, but rather a 14 strong fleet of unidentified baton-shaped crafts. According to Carl, the strange shapes were in view for about 90 seconds before disappearing behind some tall buildings. He said the crafts cruised with the illuminated facet facing down. I always try and keep my illuminated facet facing down, especially when I was in the Boy Scouts. They sped up, rotated lengthwise, flipped on their backs and had lights so bright they bleached out the broadest daylight. There were no wings, no audible sound, no propellers, no finned appendage, no smoke, no contrails. He continued, my best guesstimate is that they were an altitude of about eight kilometres and they were perhaps three to five metres in length each. Carl also consulted other photography and technology experts who agreed that they were not birds but could not offer any explanation. Could not offer any explanation. That's like Hans Zarkov at NASA, isn't it? Only Professor Hans Zarkov, formerly of NASA, has provided any explanation. For comparison, he photographed an Air Berlin plane with the same camera on the same setting just 20 minutes after the UFO event. If this plane's going overhead, surely somebody somewhere must see objects like this on a radar surely i can't believe you're over madrid one of the biggest capital cities and the busiest capital cities in europe you've got you know 10 million people you've got 14 objects going through the sky someone somewhere must have seen those surely is what i'm saying you're looking at me and nodding disapprovingly you i'm not think... nodding i'm shaking why I'm, are you shaking I, anybody of all things, you had to bring a story to the table, About and it's UFOs. nothing more than pelicans or albatross. Okay, if people want to see these 14 albatross and pelicans, they're more than they're welcome to do so. They're albatross or pelicans, trust me. I've seen the picture. That's all it is. 
you're debunking my story. I am. People, it's terrible. I'm saying people can make their own minds up. If they visit... I've seen pelicans and albatross, and it, if, it what looks if, exactly what like that. What if it's that? a pelican flying a UFO? What if it's up there? <laughs> no, you're up there, you know... Pelicans have evolved. They're, they're the species of, you know, the They probably universe. have a dinosaur beak. There, there you go. go. Fabulous. <laughs> if people want to see 14 pelicans flying over Madrid, they're more than welcome to do so. If they visit my Facebook site, more questions and answers. Incredible. With Adrian Lee, and you will see 14 UFO <coughs> pelicans <laughs> going over Madrid. I don't think Madrid even has pelicans. They're native. It's albatross. It's something. It's a large bird. They're large birds. Yes. Okay. The voice of Heather Morris has spoken, ladies and gentlemen. We need to look no further into the UFOs. You got to see the picture. I have seen the picture. What do you think? It looked like birds to me. (laughs) This is the girl 20 minutes ago. I am helping her. I know there's high fives all round. 20 minutes ago, she threw you under the bus, and it's the reason you're on minus one. Now you're helping each other. I can't keep up. It's like trying to corral school kids in a classroom. I thought s- you were going to say squirrels. I've never had any squirrels in a classroom. That was a vicious lie. This is why I had to come to this country, and I'm not allowed to teach anymore. For more informative, informative, for more informative paranormal madness, please stay tuned after these short messages from our sponsors. We won't have any sponsors soon, I tell you. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, pelicans, cryptozoology, Bigfoot, fish with feet, crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal, or indeed standing in Madrid, looking up at the skies, looking at pelicans, or on the coast of Israel, (laughs) soaring dolphins in half with chainsaws. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in pelicans is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. I would love to hear from you if you would like your business or product advertised live on more questions and answers, reaching the nation and beyond with informative, well-educated listeners of good taste and a love of the paranormal and all things oddly intriguing. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And I wouldn't urge you, in actual fact, if you go into YouTube, type in Johnny Nash, type in more questions and answers, you will hear the song, the reggae song that is more questions than answers. And of course, Jenny, Johnny Nash was very famous for singing the song, I Can See Deirdre, Now Lorraine Has Gone. <laughs> and the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and for the annoying inability to read UFO stories out without thinking they're birds live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you've just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? 
If you stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolour for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com and my Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips and if you go to soundcloud.com and search for mqta radio you will find our archives and all the shows over the last two years and last week's show with an extra 20 to 25 minutes on that for the things we couldn't read out live on air without getting a large fine or being removed by the government i've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies i have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has now stopped snoring from the room next door so onwards we march into the round that is strange and bizarre it's the stories from around the week that are too strange too bizarre not to read out but don't fit into any other category i'm currently in the lead on four points kim is tied with greg in second place on two points and heather is bringing up last place on a large resplendent solitary minus one so what have you got for me in the round of strange and bizarre tonight something fantastic you say this every week yes did you know that you can kill somebody with underwear well like garrot them give them a wedgie it's the atomic wedgie it's the wedgie of doom yes is this one of the new marvel characters that's coming out captain wedgie yes you're minding your own business you're robbing a bank and suddenly and it disappears up your bottom and you're reading the label of your underwear. No, but you know what? I know there's kids' books out there that's called Captain Underpants. You know that, do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, can... I don't have a collection of them. You don't have a collection of underpants? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I used to have a collection of underwear, but that's a very different story. My dad had to start wearing a bra when my mom found one in the car. Uh, no. Man says he didn't mean to kill stepdad with underwear. Shawnee, Oklahoma. I know. An Oklahoma man who admitted to strangling his stepfather by pulling his stepfather's underwear over his head has told a judge the case is like a bad dream. Brad Davis, 34, of McLeod, pleaded guilty Monday to first-degree manslaughter in the 2013 death of his 58-year-old Denver St. Clair. This is the news of the week, yeah? He just got convicted of it. How do you kill... Is it going to go on to tell us how you kill someone by wedging them? Okay. A doctor who did the autopsy report said St. Clair died when the elastic band of his torn underwear was pulled over his head from behind and pressed against his neck, cutting off his airway. I was wondering what you was going to do. Cutting off his airway, I was, I'm glad that you mentioned it was his neck. That's all I'm saying. I wonder what vital organs <laughs> yeah. were down there that were going to be you know, ruptured that, that caused is, him to die, but it's suffocation. Mm. Davis described the fight Wednesday at a hearing intended to help the judge decide what his sentence will be. His sentence hearing is actually set for July 16th. Can you imagine a public execution back in the medieval period? You know, you've done some heinous crime of treason. Did they wear underwear back then? And you're walking. Well, they called drawers drawers because you used to draw two legs, legs together women's underwear is drawers because you actually tied two legs together and then the bit underneath was open to the elements i'm just saying you've ruined my joke you know i was thinking that you'd walk up the scaffold it's the 12th century you've done some sort of heinous crime you're sat there on the scaffold waiting with a blindfold on a gentleman comes up with a hood two eyes cut out of it the crowd's cheering they're banging for blood suddenly there's a drum roll the uh the executioner grabs the back of your underwear and everyone goes hurrah and cheers and that's it you get carried off to newgate and buried (laughs) I'm just saying, death by wedging, back in the medieval period. Death by wedgings. 
Wedgins. Wedgins. Davis told Pottawatomie County I'm District. I'm sorry. Pottawatomie. Say that again. A genie will appear. Pottawatomie. Wasn't she like a young Indian woman that went off to uh, Britain and died and Disney made a film about her? No. Who was that? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can't see what she's doing to me at the moment, ladies and gentlemen, because it's very rude and involves her fingers. You've got um, an itchy ear, have you? You're scratching your ear there, are you? We've yeah, now my eye hurts. Uh, see, uh, your eye will hurt in a minute if you don't get on. <laughs> uh, he told the judge that he knocked his stepfather unconscious before stretching the man's underwear as far up as he could, obviously. Um, I never had any intention of killing that man, he said. There's no way I ever thought that I, that actually could have happened. I wonder if back in the day in the Victorian period, you'd have a gentleman with a handlebar moustache that's very waxed and a top hat doing magic acts on the stage where flowers appear and then pigeons appear and doves from his clothes. And, you know, he has tissues and handkerchiefs that are silk coming out of his top pocket. And then his beautiful assistant walks onto the stage and he cuts her in half with the wedgings. No. I think you. <laughs> no. I present for you the great Mysterio. Thank you very much. And Mimi, the great Mysterio and Mimi. Mimi walks onto the stage. There's a round of applause. That's the name of our cat. And then you can hear. And everyone goes. There's a big gasp from the audience. As Mimi gets cut in half with her wedgings. Wedgings. Cutting a lady in half with the aid of her wedgings. Davis said his stepfather was a bully and that he wanted to embarrass him. He also admitted to taking a picture of his stepfather after pulling his underwear over his head. There you go. So that's a public service announcement. I'm it helping is. everyone. You're, you're going to get points. You're now on a resplendent positive Don't two. Don't give people wedgings because they can die. To be fair, the guy was unconscious first. So he wasn't actually sentient when the wedgings took place. No, he wasn't wriggling. He was not wriggling at the time. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of the bizarre and strange? Officer pulls over funeral procession on the 10 freeway for traveling too slow. <laughs> Yes, you've got a limit of about 40 miles an hour on the freeway, haven't you, for going slow? That's outrageous. A uniformed traffic escort was leading a motorcade of about 100 cars to Forest Lawn Cemetery in the Hollywood Hills to bury family matriarch Sandra Louise Bain Capel when they were stopped for traveling too slow on the freeway. uh, The daughter, Rachel, claimed that the actions of the officer were outrageous and showed no compassion. I'm looking and I'm seeing the car my mom was in on the side of the freeway. That was embarrassing. Reach uh, reach for a comment on Saturday. A highway patrol official said the motorcycle driver who was leading the procession was pulled over after attempting to halt traffic in the number five lane so that the motorcade could pass. Although the officer initiated the traffic stop on the lead vehicle only and indicated to other members of the procession that they could continue on, some of them chose to pull over as well. The motorcycle driver was cited for illegal lighting and his vehicle was impounded because his driver's license was not current. I thought the motorcycle driver was the actual police officer. It's not. It's just a member of the public. I don't I don't understand that. Don't they usually do that? At least around here they do, right? The mm-hmm. police lead the procession, don't they? They don't always lead, but they'll always cover intersections. That's right. Oh, so okay. when you turn the corner, you turn as one rather right. than individual vehicles. That is true, yes. And I don't think a lot of people know this, but uh, when you see a funeral procession, you're supposed to pull over to the side of the road and put your lights on. Correct. Well, back in Britain, when uh, some of us still wear hats, if a funeral procession went past, you stood still and you took your hat off. Mm-hmm. I mean, now people go into church and wear baseball caps and go, you know, high fives. and At weddings. Yes, we went to a wedding uh, recently, didn't we? About a year. Oh, yeah, there was, there was people in there that looked like they'd just come out of Duck Dynasty. And that were, is true. <laughs> and they were whooping all the way through the ceremony. And not one of them took their baseball cap off. And uh, They did the Arsenio Hall bark, if you remember that, that woo, woo, woo. Yes, which <laughs> seems very odd when they say, do you take this woman? And they're going, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> 
seemed, seemed very surreal. It was at that moment I realized I was in a foreign country, ladies and gentlemen. And we were overdressed. Yes. Who knew that wearing a suit and a pair of shoes to a wedding would be overdressed? Little did I know. Uh, I was just going to add to the end of the story. The daughter said that the the family arriving at the cemetery was more than an hour after when time it should have been there. Oh, wow! So they were late and late as well. Two meanings for the word late. Yes, I have a story here that says woman who eats one kilo of sand every day claims to be perfectly healthy. The sprightly elderly lady claims to be super healthy despite a bizarre addiction to eating sand. Locals in India say Sadama Devi first munched sand for a joke with her friends when she was just 10 years old. But now she eats up to a kilogram of the stuff every day. How much is a kilogram, just so I know? Uh, It's probably about this much. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I weigh 100 kilograms, if that helps. No. It must be a few pounds, I I, guess. I'm thinking, is it a cereal bowl full? Yes, yes. If it's sand, it'll be about a large cereal bowl full of sand. Yes, I think is where we're looking at. Locals in India, I've read that bit already. What joke started where they say, eat the sand? She said it started when it when she was 10 because it was a joke. So what joke starts with eat the sand? What's the worst thing you've ever put in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> we can't say that right now. They say they watch as the villagers from Norpur has a plate of grit four times a day. And thanks to her unusual habit, she has never had to visit a doctor or feel hungry. I bet she's crapping bricks, though, don't you? I'm oh. just saying, That's not going down. Do you see what I'm saying? Is it wash sand? Or is I have no it just idea. stuff that she picks it's just, up off the it's beach? It's sand. Off she like could theoretically recycle it, couldn't she? It's builder's sand. I wouldn't want to eat it once it's gone through, if that's what I'm saying. You're making bricks, aren't you? That's the, that's the prime constituent of concrete right there. According to local people, she says she loves sand like sugar and is the only person in her family with a bizarre eating habit. Sudama said, I eat sand daily, about one kilogram and three or four times a day. I never feel sick, but without eating sand, I do feel hungry. I bet her bottom's nice and smooth, though. Do you see what oh. I'm saying? <laughs> My economic. We talked about the sandpaper factory. My economic condition is not good, but I am fond of eating a good, healthy diet. I eat sand, but it is not like a food. When I was a child, my friends bet me that I could not eat sand. The first time I tried, it felt good. After that, I ate it as a routine diet. What would they have done if they'd have said eat worms instead? Don't chickens eat like sand or gravel or something to help with the digestion? Yes, they do. Isn't that to do with creating the uh, shell of the egg, though, more than anything? It's to do with calcium. They get sand in their gizzards so they can... Right up the food. Food, there you go. Fantastic. I'm glad we have a chicken farm. Greg <laughs> gets points for understanding the chicken's anatomy. One local in the village said, she said that she eats about one kilo of sound daily and she is fully physically fit. She has no diseases at all. And apparently all the villagers now know when a boiled egg needs to be finished. Sudama added before... I don't know if anyone got that joke or not. I'm going to explain that at the end of the show. Sudama added, before marriage, my father and my brother arranged sand for me. And after my marriage, my husband, Christian Kumar, arranged sand for me. I wonder if this extends to cat litter. What do you think? Oh. I dropped a packet of chocolate peanuts into a cat litter. That wasn't a good afternoon. Doctors are shocked that Sudama does not suffer any serious illness as a result of her bizarre diet and her fitness remains a deep mystery they're hoping to save up enough bricks to build their own house <laughs> this is where the term roughage comes from isn't it it's not smoothage here it's roughage rough trots right there ladies and gentlemen 
We now move into our final round that is called Not For Your Mother. If your mother is very sensitive and is easily offended, now would be a good time to move her out of the room and introduce her to a fish with legs. Get her to stare up at the sky over Madrid and look and see if there's pelicans or UFOs. If you have small children, minors in the room, now would be a good time to remove them. This is the round that is laden with innuendo. It's the stories from around the week that we have to read at the end of the show so we don't get into trouble and no one gets easily offended. And we don't get a $10,000 fine. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? I've got something fabulous. Valentine's Day is over, so I'm going to help people once again. It was over several months ago. I know. Yes. But now we're going to help people. Okay. You can now pay someone to break up with your partner for you. Wow. That's like a hitman, you mean? Yeah. There you go. When 37-year-old Christy Mazines realized how much people hate confrontation, she developed an entire business plan around it. The former nurse from Melbourne started a service called Sorry It's Over that helps people avoid uncomfortable task of breaking up with someone. So you're paying someone to basically say to someone else, it's done, it's yeah, over. Piss off. Let's be friends. Yeah. Let's be f- <laughs> it's not me, it's you. Yes. Um, for a fee... Uh, 550 Australia and Australian dollars $4.44 for America. Wow. Mazins um, will do the dirty work via text, email, handwritten letter, or even a phone call if you'd like her to. She only needs her customers to provide her with a brief outline of what they want to say, and she will convert it into a heartfelt message designed to ease the pain. Additional services like sending flowers, a box of tissues, perhaps, maybe a sympathy basket. Or a message a delivered in person basket. are also available. Sympathy basket. Someone tells you they're breaking up with you and you're sat there with a basket with a pineapple and a banana in. What would you do with that? Ice cream, Kleenex, I'll chocolate. I'll tell you what I'll do with the pineapple. <laughs> yes, it would be the rough end of the pineapple as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's not going to be a bony cold finger in the woods, is it coming out? <laughs> bony cold finger. <laughs> Uh, Mazin said her service is much needed because she genuinely understands how difficult it is for the Facebook generation to express emotions. Or any child. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Through Sorry It's Over, Mazin takes the fear out of breaking up. She believes that her years of experience as a nurse has taught her about being empathetic and using gentle words to ease tense situations which makes her perfect for the job do you think i could get her to tell my parents that i'm not their son anymore (laughs) (laughs) i'm quite good at mediating people's relationships she said it's a gift i think it's the counseling that goes with nursing would you like to hear a sample of her letter i'm i'm itching i'm sure you are yes hi i I thought that was a rash but it turned out to be lipstick (laughs) I'm going to just put a word in here. Hi, Dick. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was very random. So you've just interjected. You've just pushed. I just put a name in there. You've just pushed into the sentence, Dick. Yes. Okay. This is why we don't read this out live on air. You understand this now. I'm writing on behalf of George. It's George and Dick. Yes. Do they live with Mary by any chance? Yes. Okay. Um, although George cares and respects you. He doesn't want dick anymore. He is afraid to confront you. And George believes your relationship has run its course. It's painful to say goodbye to someone that you don't want to let go. So I'm paying someone else to do it for me. It's even harder to forget someone who gave you so much to remember. So much dick, yeah. However, George says he is not ready for marriage, children, and all the responsibilities that it came with. Chemistry 
also has been lacking and believes it cannot be forced. They're paying for this, are they? This is a difficult time, and five years together has created many treasured memories. Hope you understand, and we can still be friends. Love, Kim. mum, and dad. <laughs> Regards, mum, and dad. Regards. Where did you say this was again? Australia. Why you want to know? It's in Melbourne. <laughs> Greg, <laughs> I'd be worried now, mate, if I was you. Your wife just asked where this is from. It's it's sorry, it's over dot com. It's over. It's over dot com. Sorry, it's over dot com. I have a story here that says, "Think you know how to poo? You've been doing it wrong all your life." You're going to be enlightened now to the world of how you're meant to be pooing. The humble toilet is a standard installation in our homes, but it might, but it might not be helping us have the healthiest bowels we can, according to an author who is an expert in bowel movements. In fact, we should ditch the throne and squat down to defecate. That's always been one of my favourite words. I knew this. Defecate. I knew it too. You knew this, did you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Women have this uh, sense of knowing this. According to Guila Enders, currently studying for her doctorate in microbiology in Frankfurt. They're always German, aren't they, these people? Whenever there's a story about poo, it's in Germany. They're obsessed with poo. Guila's debut book has sold over 200,000 copies in her native Germany. And people are gripped by her descriptions and diagrams of how we should be pooing. Have you ever been gripped in the toilet, Greg? (laughs) No. Various study. I, I gripped a toilet once in Italy, but that was another story. Just remember to bear down. Is that the plan? <laughs> and that's how your brother was born. Various <laughs> studies have been carried out, apparently, showing that we can simply poo more efficiently if we squat. Sitting rather than crouching while doing your business unnecessarily prolongs the process and may explain why hemorrhoids and bowel diseases are more common in Europe than Asia. Isn't that where you do your best reading? What, in Asia? apparently apparently ladies and gentlemen the closure mechanism of the gut there's actually a misspelling in this article so i don't know who proofread this i know it must have been translated from german into english i will read what it actually says and then i will tell you what it's meant to say it says apparently the closure mechanism of the gut is like a kinked house now i've not been to a kinked house since i went to a party in amsterdam when i was 21 but it's meant to be kinked hose. It's meant to be hose, not house. But I just thought I'd do some proofreading. It's not designed to open the hatch completely when we're sitting down. So if you want to open the hatch properly, you have to be squatting down. So that's good advice there for anyone on their honeymoon. Apparently. <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure on our... Have you had any pressure on your bottom, Greg, out of interest? No. Putting our feet on a small stool, perhaps that's an unfortunate sentence, putting our feet on a small stool while we're on the loo could help. But the bottom line is we're going to have to relearn the bottom line. how to <laughs> pose. Someone's having a joke in this. I swear they're having a joke. There are top five tips for a happy gut if you're wishing to hear them. Number one, if you want your bottom to thank you, try pooing in the sparing evacuation position. I thought you were going to say the sink. The strain sparing. (laughs) (laughs) The best position's in the sink. Kim, can you get me a stick? What are you doing in my kitchen? Just give me two minutes, but I need a stick. You're pushing it down the grate. Don't come in the kitchen, Kim. Don't come in the kitchen. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) The strain sparing evacuation position called the rocking squat okay the rocking squat. literally crouching and then gently rocking backwards on bent knees is the best way to go number then two fall into it do you want to hear my number two 
you, but you fall into it if you rock backwards. I think as she heard your number two last night. Yeah, you're supposed to do it outside or somewhere. You're not supposed to. I know for for the benefit of our listeners, <laughs> Heather's got her pants down and she's rocking backwards and forwards. You're gonna fall. You're, you're gonna, gonna fall. fall. Don't do it. If you go to France and you go into the toilet, there's literally a hole in the floor. That's all you get. Does you it know? have like a bullseye around it? There is no bullseye, no. <laughs> it's quite a large hole, so you've got a good chance of getting it in. I was caught short once on a train and I went into a Pringles can, so I know I got a good aim. I then put the lid back on it and left it on the seat Wait, when I get off. I have off. a story. Oh. I have a quick story. I've got number twos to do, yeah? <laughs> I know you do, but you're used to waiting. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> we went out to Virginia Beach and we went to some old historic house and they had an outhouse and you go tour this house in the outhouse and there was this rope that went down the outhouse porthole whatever you want to call it and there was a note tacked up inside that said ye fall in ye pull yourself out and it was fabulous well that's what happens in castles (laughs) in castles there's just a hole in the floor and it would go down into the moat or into the cellar and there was a person called a gong farmer and the gong farmer would come along the night soil and remove all of the disgusting mess but one of the best jobs you could get in the the whole of britain was to wipe the king's bottom because the king never wiped his own bottom and he was called the royal stall and henry the eighth had a person that specifically wiped his bottom and that person's job was solely to wipe the king's and they used bottom. lace and the united states is who invented toilet paper i use the neck of a swan who's using lace Royalty used to use lace. I I thought it was swan's necks. That's why these swans are so important in Britain. You'd wipe your bottom on a swan's neck. The Queen still has swans, doesn't she? She does. All the swans in Britain are owned by the Crown, and if you kill one, it's actually treason. It's a Crown offence. So uh, you're absolutely right. I think the uh, Earl of Buckingham owns some as well, but you're absolutely right. All swans in Britain are either owned by the Queen or the Earl of Buckingham. If you kill one, you're in a lot of trouble. I did a story many many years ago where a guy got arrested because he had a swan in his freeze and he was going to eat it and actually charged him and arrested him for that wow. so that is true so if you're in britain don't eat the swan i'm determined to get a number two out here it says <laughs> if you're worried about your poo check out the bristol stall scale which ranks poo on a seven point scale from hard to pass lumps to entirely liquid and this has been in place apparently since 1997 kim are your stalls nice and spongy and soft no comment. Okay. <laughs> Number three, it says acknowledge your gut and make it happy. Tummy aches and troubles aren't normal. Number four, food takes two or three hours to get into the blood. So think about how you feel two or three hours after you've eaten. Cake and chips might leave you feeling more tired than oh. vegetables. I don't know how tired vegetables can get. I've never asked one. And finally, it says clean your gut every day, keeping you healthy. I recommend sand. For that particular one <laughs> kim what have you got for me in the round of not for your mother feud over miami homeless leads to creation of a poop map it's about poo tonight isn't it yes fabulous tasked with marketing miami to tourists and investors the tax-funded downtown development authority has plenty of maps highlighting restaurants tourist attractions and real estate development On Thursday, they unveiled their latest, a detailed map showing where people pop to squat on downtown streets. The Scatological Atlas. I can't even say say it. Did you say Scatological? Scatological Atlas. I've played that game. That's a fabulous game for all the families, Scatological. (laughs) (laughs) I like what they named it. Scatological Atlas. A Scatological Atlas. With smiling poop emojis. 
<laughs> Excellent. Was created amid a swirling dispute between downtown boosters swirling. and the Miami-Dade <laughs> Homeless Trust over how to get homeless men and women off the street and how to deal with corresponding sanitation issues. Look, I've made a dinosaur out of it. <laughs> oh, this mud is soft. Did you think it's sore? I saurus? bet these people are oh. healthy. <laughs> the two public agencies have been feuding for about a year now, dating back to the creation of a temporary shelter program at Camelus House and more recently with the DDA's promotion of souped-up porta-potties. The DDA spent eight hours Friday documenting <laughs> urine and Sorry. feces and then released its map <laughs> where the agency says feces was spotted during a sanitation worker's eight-hour Friday shift. There's plenty more feces <laughs> in the sea. Now there's little hope of wiping the slate clean. Oh, I see what you've done there. Yeah. Where do 600 people go to the bathroom every day? Well, there's a map to show you where 600 people go to the bathroom every day, said Snarnoff, who displayed the DDA's map on television. This well, the, is a countywide issue. In Britain, on a Friday and Saturday night, they put portable toilets in the streets because drunks wee up the buildings, and the acid in the wee-wee is breaking all the foundations of the buildings, and the buildings have been there since the 17th century. So on a Friday and Saturday night, a truck comes along, a flatbed truck, and they drop portable toilets around strategic spots in Britain, and it stops drunks from weeing against buildings and ruining all the buildings. Mm-hmm. This is factual. You can watch people going for a wee in the street on a Friday night if you're going down Tottenham Court Road in England. It makes you want to go, doesn't it? It does. Tourist. I see you're trying to squeeze another story and trying to get some points. I know. Don't look. I'm not looking. I just want to see, you know, how long your story is. It's not very long. I can see that. Is it to do with stalls, poo, sand? Yes. It is. Okay. This is the poo theme show. Show 12, series 2. Poo themes. Now you can send somebody. It's all about presents tonight. I'm just telling you. You're going to send someone a poo wrapped with a ribbon? No, but you can send someone a fart in a jar. A fart in a jar? Yeah. Send a jart is the latest. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have trouble getting the cork on? (laughs) Uh, Send a jart is the latest in ass odor transporting Uh, technology. Ass odor transportation technology yes some of the sentences and words i'm sure have never been used before it's only going to cost you 10 bucks 10 bucks to fart in a jar no to send one to send one yeah you don't have to send it they'll send it for you do you get a choice of what kind of aroma can you have like chicken curry no they need to contact that one guy that we had on a story around he was um, farting rainbows and getting smells like no that that was you i wasn't farting i wasn't farting rainbows yes the one was the one you're referring to did the kitten paws oh yeah there was kitten paws and remember there was yeah the ginger fart Ginger fart. Yep. She sounds like a gangster fart. from the 1920s. Yeah, you see, you're going to go and see ginger fart in Chicago, you see. You're going to be swimming with the fishies, you see. Swimming with the fishies. Uh, ginger fart. <laughs> Went a bit uh, Sean Connery at the end there, didn't it? Oh, sorry, ginger fart, you know. <laughs> Do continue before I ruin the entire show. You can send anonymously to that person you secretly hate, okay. but are too scared of telling how you really feel. So you get, you get this or, in the post. It comes through the mail. You get the cork off, and then it's like... Hang on, chicken yes. curry. Or alternatively, you can post to a friend and leave a note with your name on it if you have that sort of relationship that knows no bounds. Now, I have brought the ad and I will read it to you. Send a fart in a jar because you can. Know someone who has been a total Asbury lately? Asbury. Let, <laughs> let them know 
with a sealed fart in a jar. Osprey sounds like a really impressive, posh department <laughs> store. That only, oh, yes, Gerald and I, Robin, Maureen and Gerald and I went to Osprey's and we actually <laughs> bought ourselves a picnic camper last weekend. Yes, in Piccadilly. When they open the jar to read the note inside, they'll unleash the almighty stench of our signature ass air. Boom. You win. There you go. Thank you for sharing Send that. Send a fart in a jar, I folks. thought you said, so why are you throwing all your pens around and making a lot of noise? <laughs> because I'm disappointed I'm not getting one, apparently. Well, I can give you a fart in a jar if you want one. I can, I can summon one up right now if you're interested. You don't need a jar. I have a story here that says horrifying picture shows bare-chested Yob having sex with a bollard outside his grandmother's house. A bare-chested Yob dropped his trousers in the street and simulated sex. Sorry? What What's is a Yob? yob? A yob. A yob is a uh, an expression. Is that like boy backwards? Yes, it is. Well done. Back in the day, back in the Victorian period, people used to talk backwards so that police officers or prison wardens couldn't understand what they were talking about. And the word yob comes from the word boy. Absolutely. You're correct. Yes. Points. Points to be had. Heather's now on five. <laughs> Who knew such things? You surprised me. Was that a wild stab in the dark? Yes, it was. Was it a wild bony finger poking out of the trees? Yes, it was. And I was just thinking about your fart that you were going to put in a jar. And I was thinking, if you're not going to put it in a jar, then it would be your untamed fart. Untamed. So to get it in the jar, you're going to need a chair and a bull whip. <laughs> get in the jar. <laughs> get in the jar. <laughs> it scratched me. That's terrible. It scratched me. I need to eat more fibre. <laughs> A bare-chested yob dropped his trousers in the street and simulated sex with a concrete bollard in full view. Oh, what's a bollard? Oh, what is it with you? It's a light post. A it's short not. One. Is it? It's like a concrete giant erection that comes out of the sidewalk and stops cars from mounting the pavements. Oh, okay. Was it a concrete bollard or was it an Indian woman's stool sample? Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is Heather who has scored a singular number two. <laughs> see, oh, see what I did? Not again. I know. And in third place, it is myself on three points. Greg is on four. And our outright winner tonight on five resplendent, fabulous points is Kim. And she wins the $33,000 IR camera. <laughs> Do not fear, listener, despite the fact that Heather at the beginning said you should be on minus one and threw you under the bus. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And you can also look us up as well on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com. Visit there and look up MQTA Radio and you will find all our archives in an extra 20 minutes of all of our shows that we can't do live on air. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interested.